Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, let me ask you a question about your business. Are you dominating your marketplace? Uh, what would it take for you to dominate your marketplace? Maybe you need some secrets about that. Well, you're in luck. I have John Boyens with me uh, from Boyens Group, Inc., and they're going to talk about uh, sales and management consulting and training, and we're going to learn six secrets to market dominance. So, John, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate being here. My pleasure. I know you guys started in uh, 1998 in Nashville, Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about your your background and history and and how you uh, came to co-found the Boyens Group. I spent uh, a little over 22 years in the corporate world. I ran sales or sales and marketing for three different Fortune 1000 companies. And then my wife and I decided to start this business 17 years ago, June 1st, 98. And uh, we're a sales and management consulting firm that really specializes in three areas. It was really our strength. Sales productivity, which is that long pole in the tent for us. Management leadership effectiveness. And then business strategy, helping our clients really focus or optimize their go-to-market strategy. What sizes and types of companies do you typically work with? You know, it's so interesting. I always get asked that question, and I have a stock answer where I talk about that 20 to $250 million is a really good sweet spot for us. And then as soon as I say that, you know, we've done work with Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer, you know, so Fortune 50 companies, and we work with little $200,000-a-year $200, franchisees. So our sweet spot's in the 20 to $250 million, but we really have the ability to help anybody from any size. Okay, well that's great. So if they have a sales team and they're 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 looking for more productivity from that sales team, you can help. Absolutely. Okay. So what keeps small and mid-sized business owners from being as successful as they'd like to be? Well, you know, with apologies to Michael Gerber, you know, Michael wrote the E Myth and the E Myth sure. Revisited, which I think are great books, and he talked about the people working in their business versus on their business. And I've just Uh taken a little extension of that. I think most business owners that we work with that struggle are focused on the tactical steps of running their business versus the strategic step of growing your business. So if we Mm -hmm. could get them thinking about what steps I have to put in place to grow, whether that's grow to hand down to my family members, whether that's grow to sell, whether that's just grow, if they're focused on growth, the the running the business comes along automatically. But when they get into the tactical, they never have time to get strategic. Good point. And a lot of a lot of business owners are in that because they started their business as a tactician to start with, right? That's exactly right. And they're a little afraid to hand off the baton. You know, they people don't have the same passion for it that I do, or I can't find somebody that'll work as hard or do it as well, et cetera. And if they don't scale, if they don't bring staff in to be able to help them, they'll, they're going to be their own bottleneck. They become their own choke point in the funnel. So what if someone is a really good tactician and a technical person and they're not really good at that sales area, then, uh, I mean, here's the problem is what I think you're saying is that people aren't paying attention to it. They should be having someone else do that work, you know, but you have to pay a lot of attention to grow in the business is what I hear you say. 
Yes, I think so. And I try to do it a little bit in terms of catchphrases so people will remember that. But I think it's critically important for owners to be able to leverage what they do well and then hire to their gap. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's hiring a person, whether it's outsourcing a project, it doesn't have to be that you bring in all this infrastructure. If you don't know anything about social media and you say, well, I'm not a technology person or I'm not really gifted in that, so I'm going to keep my head in the sand and I'm just going to go on and, and do the tactical part of running my business, there's a very short walk from complacency to obsolescence, and they are actually working at going out of business strategy. So if they don't want to learn social media, fine. Find somebody, get somebody that you can engage in that can help you leverage that for your respective business. Now, how much on a pie chart of a business owner's week, what percentage would you say should be spent on growing the business in an ideal situation? Mm, That's a really... Yeah, really good question. I think it depends. There's a good, great answer from a consultant. Um, (laughs) I I think it really depends. You know, when you look at the difference of B2C versus B2B, if you look at a transaction-based business versus a really high-end business, if you look at large dollar versus small dollar, complex sale versus tactical sale, I think strategically at a minimum, you need to be at least 25% of your time focusing on the growth factor. But there's some businesses that scale particularly well. And if you can push that envelope up towards that 40 or 50%, I think that's when you start to end up making record heights. I mean, one of my best examples, in 1954, Roger Bannister was the first human being to break the four-minute mile. Nobody thought that he could do that. They didn't think it was physically possible. And while that's an amazing feat itself, you fast forward to today, and thousands of runners have broken the four-minute mile because they believed it could be done. As soon as somebody showed them they could do it, then others said, well, I can do that. And I think that's what you want business owners to think about. Even though you've never done it before, as long as others have, there's no reason why you can't do it as well. And whether you have to know what the secret sauce is or know where the rocks are to cross the creek, there's ways to get there. So there should be constantly focusing on times to sharpen the saw, understand things, and we'll talk more about it when we hit the actual six secrets, but really understanding what does success look like to you as an owner. Is it revenue? Is it market share? You know, is it growth? Is it profitability? Is it cash flow? If you know what your success factor is, you can draw a roadmap in place to get you there. Okay, so knowing what that's going to be is the key. And what are some of the secrets to dominating their market? I think there's six, and I'll, I'll do kind of a high level, and then you know your, your uh, listenership, and we can d- take a deep dive in whichever ones you want. The first okay. one is what I mentioned earlier about this, defining success. Understand what your key performance indicators are or your key performance metrics. As I said, this person, it may be revenue. This one may be market share. This one over here may be profitability or cash flow. Define what those are. Second, it's critically important that you know what your customers look like. What does an ideal customer look like? What's the target market look like? To segment your market and communicate to them effectively is critically important. Thirdly, Mm -hmm. and this is one that I see a really big gap in, is to know your competition. Who is your competition? Do you have a competitive intelligence library? Do you have information about how they market, how they go to market, what their advertising looks like, what their social media footprint is, what their pricing is? Do we know what their value proposition is? If you don't understand who your competition is, you're going to lose a lot of battles because the market's perception is your reality. So if the mm. competition does a better job of positioning you than you do, you're in trouble. So you've got to know your competition and then obviously establish the competitive differentiation. Number four mm. is to document your business's five Ps. Now, if anybody took marketing in school, they know the four Ps, 
product placement, promotion, and price. Well, this is a value add for you. We're giving you a fifth P, and that's the okay. position. How do you okay. want the market to know you? What do you want the market to know about your brand? And articulate what is it that you do that your competition doesn't do, can't do, or won't do in the marketplace. It's important we have that in writing. Fifth, establish and then execute your go-to-market strategy. And, and that's not just the business plan. You know, I see a lot of small to mid-sized business owners that put together a wonderful business plan to go get funding for their business. And if they could find it today, they would have to blow dust off it because they didn't use it to be able to grow their business. They used it to tell a story to get funded. And I think not only do you have to have a business plan that is a living and breathing document, but you need to have a written sales and marketing plan that supports it, that has steps underneath it to help you keep you on track. And then the fifth, uh, sixth piece in terms of dominating your market is to be able to leverage social media. Uh, I use a term. I don't know if I've coined it. I certainly haven't copyrighted it. But I talk about the term having a virtual business strategy, a VBS. The virtual business strategy is how do you keep your brand and your name in front of people so when the timing is right they think of you without you having to be the person always there. I'll give you mm. a good example of that. And th these are some great facts just to be able to share with the listeners. As an example, <laughs> a wrapped vehicle, you know, vehicle wraps that you see out there for restaurants or hospitality sure. or whatever, a wrapped vehicle makes 600 impressions per mile. So I don't have to be spending money on advertising and Yelp and all these other things. If I have a place where my service area is in a geographic area and I end up you know, having vehicles that are running up and down main thoroughfares, my name, my brand, my phone number, my website stays in front of my people. Uh, we've got a client that does a lot of work at home, in home services. And what they've done, this is amazing, they've parked some of their vans in the, in the parking lots of Home Depot and Lowe's, and they're getting one to two to three calls a day because somebody went in there deciding to do a, a do-it-yourself project and said, boy, enough of that noise. I'm not going to do that. And they walk out and they see 1-800-BLINDS or whatever it may be, and it's like, I'm going to call them, you know. So boy, that's, those are that's, very high level. Those are the six keys. That's spot advertising. That's a great idea. I mean, get, getting your yeah. getting your message out right to the point of which a consumer has a, a, a choice, a choice point. That's right. You need to go where you're, you know, what's the Wayne Gretzky quote? You know, you need to go where the puck's going to be, not where it was. So you've yeah. got to go where your target audience is going to be. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm talking to the people. I'm talking, uh, giving the right message to the right people at that right time. So in those, what do you find, uh, uh, if you were to, to map it out, what are the, the, of those six secrets, what are the ones that business owners are the most efficient in that they need to really start? It's, it sounds like a sequential kind of a, a list that you've given us. Yeah, I think in terms of the deficiencies, the one that I see most glaring is not having a competitive intelligence library. They have no idea you know, what the competition is doing or why they're doing it or what they're saying. They have no idea what they're pricing it to be, et cetera. That's the one I probably see the most deficiency in. And then the other one, again, will vary depending upon the industry, is the social media. If you're in retail or if you're in high transaction, high traffic industries, they've already got the handle on social media. But in a lot of the more, uh, the older, more staid businesses, the B2B, large dollar amount, long sales cycle type of businesses, they're thinking, gee, why do I have to do that? And factually, I'll use us as a primary example. My wife is the CEO of the business, and she's been the driving force about social media for us. And I personally went into social media kicking and screaming every step of the way. 
I said, who cares that I'm having a cup of coffee or why would they want to connect with me on Facebook or whatever? And now you fast forward from 2006, late 2006 to today, I've been named one of the top 100 productivity experts to follow on Twitter worldwide for 24 of the last 25 months. So you wow. can bet my wife reminds me of that, that it was her idea every step of the way. But the point of it being <laughs> is that's how you build your brand. That's how you keep your name out in front of them because now you become the subject matter expert and you become a go-to resource. I'd much rather have people that are coming to get me versus me having to go chase everybody. Good point. Good point. So it, it's the consistency, the uh, the application of that uh, Twitter. Twitter as a concept scares a lot of people or they think, what's the big deal? What's the point? But it's the continuous drip that basically changes the, the landscape. Is that right? Absolutely. The Direct Marketing Association indicates it takes seven to nine touches for somebody to hear your message. Not buy, just to hear your message, which, by the way, does not mean you call them nine days in a row. Stalking is different than prospecting. But, but the fact is that if I vary the message and if I vary the medium and I vary the frequency, now when it comes time, that's that virtual business piece, when it comes time that they have a need for what I do, my name is at least in the forefront of their mind. Yeah, so it's the timing of the, the need to create an opportunity. Uh, and you never know when that's going to happen, so that's why that continuous drip or that being in, out in front of people and building a subscription base. What are, what are some other low-cost marketing options at work? I think there's a variety of them that you can you get yourself involved in, and the social media is the one that I keep talking about a lot. You know, you can end up using LinkedIn. I'm, I'm hoping that many of the business owners listening to your show are good LinkedIn users. But a few years ago, they gave you the opportunity to start to post blogs. And, you know, I had a WordPress blog site myself beforehand, and goodness, I'd, I'd write what I thought were some pretty powerful blog posts, and I'd be lucky if I'd get, you know, 150 or 200 people to read it. And then all of a sudden you start posting things on LinkedIn out to the general public, and I'm getting 3,000 or 4,000 views on one article. So if you can become a subject matter expert in whatever you do, if you do pest control, you know, uh, five things you need to know before mosquito season. Uh, if you're in, if you're in uh, uh, you know, five things every bride needs to know before her wedding, uh, things like that, where there's subject matter that are really well-versed with using the different keywords, so when people are searching for things that you come up, I think those are great things to do. I love affinity marketing, affinity marketing where you partner with somebody else so that both businesses mutually benefit. But if you want the lowest cost marketing option at all, referral-based selling is it. There's nothing better than having your clients be evangelists for you, telling your stories to other people. And so if you look at all the research that we've done and every piece of research that I've read, if you try to go out and cold call, and that just doesn't mean the phone call, but cold advertising, marketing, et cetera, it is a single-digit percentage close rate, three, five, seven, et cetera. But hmm. referral-based selling closes at 30, 40, 50%. We've got a client in Rockville, Maryland, has an 84% close rate on referred business. Now, if wow. you take that further, referred businesses normally closes more quickly, normally don't have to discount the price, and it's normally a larger dollar amount. So I don't know. I think those three are all pretty good buy signs for any business owner or any business development person that's out there. So, again, a low-cost marketing option, have your customers write testimonials, endorsement, create a brag book, have them be able to talk on your behalf, do speaking engagements at chambers of commerce, industry events. 
I jokingly refer to the rubber chicken circuit, but that's it. They don't pay you to be able to do that, but they do give you visibility in your community. And if your prospects or your target audience will be able to see, hear, or read what you do, it's invaluable because it's a de facto third-party endorsement. You know, the Chamber of Commerce presents so-and-so. You know, the Industry Association of XYZ presents so-and-so. It gives you instant credibility. Great point. Now, one thing I've heard before is that websites can obviously be a great online selling tool for you, but most people don't pay much attention to putting new content on there. So we understand why somebody might go once, but what brings them back? What inspires other people to tell people about your website? So what do you recommend for websites? We're just doing a redo on our website now. This is We've been in business 17 years. This is now our fifth iteration. So we kind of look at it you know, every two or three years and we refresh, and it's, it's normally a significant change. Um, so that's, that's an important part. So how do you get people to, to go to your website? I think there's a variety of different ways to be able to do that. One is if you are refreshing content and if you become a repository for information, hey, go to so-and-so's site. They've got articles on this. They have how-tos on that. They have best practices for this. You know, if you start to be able to have a site that drives people there, that's great. Um, If you've got a place there where maybe you're well-known in a particular industry and that people that are looking to get into that industry can post their resume on your site and that you become, I wouldn't say a job board, but, you know, they know that's a place to go look for talent, another thing. You can do advertising. I also like to do reciprocal links because it helps you with your search optimization as well, so that if you, if you now have recommended businesses where you're starting to endorse other businesses in your area, and then they put a reciprocal link on your site, it helps you from a Google ranking as well. So there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you can't have your website just be an online brochure. You need to have it be interactive, videos, audios, articles, best practices, and you need to refresh the content daily. We have to understand what our audience looks like. I will tell you, you know, there's a difference between millennials from Gen Xers to baby boomers in terms of how they use websites. And I know it's always a little bit of a challenge when you get too generic about that. But, you know, with a younger audience there, it has to be very interactive. It has to be very engaging. To the older audience, you know, I want to be able to read this in content. I don't want to have to go, you know, link to someplace else. I want to be able to find what I want easily, et cetera. So you have to make it easily navigable. You have to make it easy for them to be for all the different constituencies to use it. But the key at the end of the day is there needs to be value and there needs to be new content on a regular basis, newsletters, blogs, et cetera. John, great information. Now, you you have a book out called Creating a Productive Selling Zone, correct? That is correct. And is that available through your website, or where would our listeners find that? Yes, you can get it through our website, uh, which is boyens.com, B-O-Y-E-N-S.com. Uh, we also, it's available through Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and some others. Easy to get it from us. We, we have plenty in stock. We'd be glad to ship them out. And you've also got audio CDs available on what's it called, our Accelerated Sales Audio Program, ASAP? Yes, it's, yeah, it's exactly right. ASAP, Accelerated Sales Audio Program, 15 different topics in the can at this point in time. Uh, each CD is between 15 and 30 minutes. Some of them have workbooks and best practices with it, and those are also available on our website. 
Fantastic information, and we just, you know, unfortunately, we just scratched the surface, and it's it's time to move on. But I really appreciate you coming on to the show and uh, sharing some great, great ideas with us. I like the six secrets a lot, and I hope our listeners will get in touch with you and get your book. And then, as you said, let's get deeper on some of these topics uh, at a future interview. Would you join us again for that? I would love that opportunity. I certainly appreciate it, Bill. Okay, John, thanks so much for your time today. I look forward to the next time we speak. Thank you. Same back to you as well. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay tuned. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 